Well, uh, good evening, everyone. Great to see you all. And uh, hopefully, off the back of that introduction by Derek, I'll not disappoint uh, in my communication. But uh, it really is great being here and, uh, and to be able to share with you. And uh, it would be helpful if you do have those verses open in front of you. I'm going to be looking at a slightly different version. I think it's maybe the ESV you read from. I'm going to be going from the NIV. But there hopefully will still be uh, very understandable what's going on. But as Derek said, I work for an organization called Christians in Sport. And uh, I spend all my time working with sports people, both people who are young and in schools playing sport, up to people who are retired on the sidelines as team managers and everyone else in between. And what my job really is about is helping people, well, and, and working with people to understand actually what difference does a faith in Jesus really make in, your, in, in sport and in the world of sport. And then also giving other people the opportunity just to hear the good news of who Jesus is. So that's what it's all about. And what Derek's asked to speak me on tonight, or asked me to speak on tonight, is uh, faith and sport, and if the two can connect. And I wonder, is that something you've ever thought about yourself? If you're a sports person, maybe you have thought about it. Certainly if you're a Christian sports person, maybe you have. I wonder, have you ever thought faith and sport, Christianity and football, Jesus and rugby, God and hockey, the Holy Spirit and basketball. Do these things have any connection at all? Faith and the person of Jesus, how do they really connect? Do you know, I am sure with uh, the number of people in the room tonight that there are people with all kinds of different thoughts. And there's some people may be saying, look, sport is good as long as it doesn't get in the way of faith. Maybe some of you will be saying, look, faith is good as long as it doesn't get in the way of sport. Maybe some of you think, look, the only time that, that sport and faith can be connected is if someone says and gives glory to Jesus for their own sport and achievements. Look, I have no idea where you fall in your view of sport in amongst that. And perhaps uh, you, uh, yeah, and, and perhaps you maybe are thinking, how on earth can these two things be connected? Well, in Romans 12, chapter, or sorry, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I think what we see here, two truths that actually show us that the person of, that if you're a sports person, then faith in Jesus is totally connected to sport. And not only are they connected, but that faith in Jesus actually helps us to view sport, to compete in our sport, and to play sport in the most beautiful and pure way that it possibly can be, a way where we can have maximum enjoyment, maximum satisfaction, more than any other way of playing sport. And here in Romans, as I say, I think we can see it in two different ways, and that's what we're just going to be unpacking over the next few minutes, that faith and sport connect when, number one, we recognize God's mercy, and number two, we respond to God's mercy. So look, let's just look at the first thing here. The first thing, if sport and faith are going to be connected, is recognizing God's mercy. That word mercy, meaning do or meaning not getting what we do deserve. Look, again, if you're a sports person, I wonder when was the last time that you remember being shown mercy on the sports pitch? Maybe you fouled someone after receiving a yellow card, and you know the referee probably should give you a yellow card, but you know, he just keeps it in his pocket. He's showing you mercy. Maybe it's a spell, of, a spell of games where you're out of form, totally out of form. The right thing, the team's calling for your name to be dropped, but what does the coach do? He shows you mercy. He gives you grace of another game, another game to try and get back on the team. Look, when we are showing mercy, both in sport and in life, in these real tangible ways, we know what it's like. We feel it. 
But I wonder, have we ever thought about the mercy of God in that same way? I wonder, do you realize right now that this very second, God is showing us mercy? See, perhaps we don't recognize that as often because perhaps we, we need to know, not perhaps, we do need to know if we're going to be showing mercy, what it is that we deserve that we are not getting. What is it that we actually do deserve that God is withholding in his mercy? And what is it? What does the Bible tell us? Well, it tells us that every person on this planet, by nature, what we deserve is immediate death and judgment and separation from all good things in life because it's separation from God himself. That's heavy, isn't it? Maybe thinking, who you invited this guy to come and share this tonight? But look, unless we understand what it is we do deserve, we will not understand how God shows us mercy. And the Bible tells us, why do we deserve this? Because each of us has rejected God. Then at some stage in our lives, and most of us every single day, has rejected God's rule over us. That we've said to ourselves, look, you know what? I'm going to do life my way. I'm going to live for myself. I'm the one in charge. And in doing so, through the ways that we think and the things that we do, we reject God. And because we reject God, we are guilty of what the Bible calls sin. And it says what we deserve is death because of that. What we deserve is judgment, separation from God. Now, perhaps if you're hearing this for the first time, you're thinking, Flip, surely this is an overreaction. Surely this is a, a, an irrational response. Look, yes, I know I've probably done things I'm not proud of. I know that my life, I've probably sinned and rejected God, but I still try my best. I'm still a good person. I still come to church. Surely my actions do not mean I deserve this dire consequence. See, the reason that the consequence of our rejection of God is so severe and so dire isn't primarily of what our action against God looks like, but primarily because of who our rejection is against. See, that's true in life as well, isn't it? Think about it on the sports pitch, let's say. You're on the game, or you're playing a game, sorry. You walk up to someone in the opposite team and you slap them in the face. Let's say you do that. Now, what would be the... Uh, the the right consequence, probably a red card. Football, definitely a red card. Rugby, you maybe would get away with it, my sport. You maybe get banned for a couple of weeks. See, the action of slapping someone in the face, the consequence would be in proportion to who it was against. You're on the sports pitch. But let's take it a little bit further. Let's say you go off onto the street here in a hockle, and you walk up to a policeman on the street. You walk up to him, and rather than saying good afternoon, you slap him across the face. What's the consequence of that? Well, he's not going to pull a red card out of his pocket. He's going to get handcuffs out from behind him. He's probably going to throw you in the floor, and you might end up spending a night in the cells. The exact same action, but the consequence is much more severe because of who it's against. Now, let's take it one step further. Let's say you're invited over to London for the Platinum Jubilee celebrations to meet the Queen. And you're in Buckingham Palace, and with the world watching you, as Her Majesty the Queen walks towards you, you lift your hand and slap her in the face. I mean, could you imagine what the consequences of that would be? It would be scandalous. Your face would be in the front of every single newspaper across the world. You would be notorious 
throughout all of history, the person who slapped the queen in the face. It sounds even wrong saying it. It would be totally scandalous. The consequence would be severe. You'd probably spend the rest of your days in prison. The same action that you did in the sports pitch, the same action that you did against the policeman here in Ahokal, but yet the consequences are so much more severe because of who it is against. Not primarily because of what you did, but because of who you did it to. See, this is why our rejection of God is so scandalous. And our rejection of God is even more scandalous than if you were to slap the queen of, of the United Kingdom. Because who have we rejected with our lives because of sin? We rejected the king and creator of all things. The one who has been around from the beginning of time. The one who sustains every living thing that's ever existed in all of human history. He's the designer of life itself. The one who wrote the laws of physics. The one who designed the human body. The one who knows exactly what makes every living thing on this planet thrive. He is complete wisdom. He has total knowledge, infinite power, and he is perfect in every way. And because he is the great holy God, then the just consequence of our rejection against him is to be cut off from him, which means death for eternity. Look, this is the consequence that each of us deserves. And here in this verse in Romans, tw in Romans 12, we are told that we must recognize God's mercy. Because if what we deserve because of our rejection of God is immediate death and separation from him, how then can we recognize his mercy? Well, if that is the consequence, then we, can, then we know that every single moment that we have of every single day is God showing me mercy. If you woke up this morning... God has shown you mercy. If you tasted your morning coffee and enjoyed your Sunday lunch this afternoon, then God has shown you mercy. If you can look at me now and you can listen to me with your eyes and your ears, God has shown you mercy. If you can walk and talk and see and read and run and swim and kick a ball and pass a ball, if you can place all kinds of sport if your heart is beating in your chest and your lungs are breathing in the air around you, then you are experiencing God's mercy because he is not giving us what we do deserve. God is showing you mercy. He is withholding what you deserve for another day. Do you know this is absolutely incredible, but despite how incredible this is, God's greatest show of mercy goes far beyond anything we just, uh, we've just unpacked. See, what God did in showing us great mercy was he did what was necessary, not just to delay the consequence of our sin, but to do what was necessary to remove the consequence of our sin. Because the Bible tells us that he sent Jesus, God in human form, to come and live a perfect life, and that he himself, despite living a perfect life, took on the punishment of hell that consequence that we deserve because of our rejection of him. And because he took it on himself, he did what was necessary to, to totally set us free from that consequence if we accept him. It cost God, the infinite, perfect creator and king of the universe, 
to die and experience hell in your place so that you will never have to. He has shown us great mercy and he asks each of us to accept his mercy, to live in light and respond to his mercy. He tells us tonight, look, I have done what's necessary. He says to each of us, despite your scandalous rejection of me, a rejection of so vile that the consequence is, is hell, that despite that, he has taken on board that consequence on himself and invites us to trust him. So let me ask you, which are you doing? Have you accepted that gift that Jesus, that Jesus gives us? When he says, come and trust in me, I will take on the consequence. I will show you this great, infinite amount of mercy. Will you accept it for yourself? See, if we don't, we are limiting the taste of God's mercy in our lives to his withholding of the, of the just consequence of our rejection of him. But when we recognize, we can see, when we recognize his great mercy, we can live lives, yes, enjoying the great gifts that God is giving us, but we can know for absolute certain that the consequence of hell is removed. We can know that we are so dearly loved by God that we know for total certainty because Jesus experienced hell on our behalf that we will never, ever have to experience ourselves. See, this is why and how a recognition of God's mercy mean that it changes everything in our lives. This is why faith and sport can be connected and it starts from recognizing God's mercy above everything else. Because when we recognize God's great mercy, then, and when we trust in the fullness of his mercy, then this verse here in Romans says that the correct way to respond is what? Look down at the verse again. I'll read out from, uh, from my version here. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's great mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. See, what here is this verse saying? It's saying when we recognize just how incredible God's mercy is, the epitome of his mercy shown to us in Jesus, that the natural response is to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, what does this free as living sacrifice means? It means all of us, all of the time. So what's this verse saying? By living in response and by recognizing God's great mercy and responding to it means that we will respond with every single part of our lives, all of us, all of the time, to live lives of gratitude towards Jesus for the great mercy he's shown us. Not just in church, but in our work, on the bus, on the way to school, as you sit down for a meal with your family, here in church and in your sport. Because when we truly taste and we know and experience God's mercy in all its fullness, when we know what Jesus has done for us through his death, then we will respond in gratitude towards him in every single part of our lives, including sport. So we can respond to God's mercy, knowing that the gift and ability to run is a gift from God to be enjoyed, not a right of ours. 
We can play our sport knowing that even if our form is awful and even if we have fallen out of favor with our coach, our teammates, that our trusting in Jesus means that God's love for us is not dependent on our form. We can play in response to God's mercy when we play with total freedom, when we play and compete in the way that God has made us to do so as a response and gratitude to the things he's given us. And ultimately, we can live a life where in every single moment, where we can live unlike the ways of the world, unlike the way of sport that tells us that you must do, you must achieve to gain victory. Now, when we live in response to the great mercy of Jesus, we live lives that know that we don't have to achieve victory, but we receive it because of God's great mercy. So as I finish, faith in Jesus and sport, look, how do these two things connect? Well, they connect when, number one, we recognize God's mercy and we recognize that every moment we have is because of his great mercy towards us. But ultimately, we, it, it begins and connects when we recognize that the most magnificent and loving mercy that God has ever shown us is through the death of Jesus and the gift of grace that he offers. And when we recognize the greatness of his mercy, how will we respond? As Romans 12, chapter one, or Romans 12 verse 1 says, with all of us, all of the time, with every single part of our lives. Do you know, as a Christian, trusting in Jesus, I know that Jesus and the mercy he's shown us transforms everything. We're going to hear from Howard in just a moment of how it's transformed his and his sporting journey. And it is my prayer that each and every one of us, through coming and knowing the great mercy that, Jesus, uh, that God has given us through Jesus, would be totally transformed. And whether we're sports people or not, we would see that Jesus totally transforms every single part of our lives, every moment of every single day. So let me pray as I, as I finish. Dear Lord God, thank you so much just for the mercy that you show us every day, God, for the mercy of sight to be able to see your creation, for the mercy of tongues that communicate with each other, God, for all these little gifts that we don't deserve, God, that you so freely and lovingly give each of us. But God, I pray that above all, Lord, that tonight we would see that the pinnacle of your mercy is knowing, God, what you have done for us through Jesus. God, thank you that you saved us from that dire consequence of our sin, God, and you offer us a transformed life. God, a life that is transformed now in every moment, and Lord, a life that is transformed in eternity to come. God, help us, and I pray that each and every one of us would come to know that mercy for ourselves. And God, that you would transform us. God, all of us, all of the time, in our work, in our schools, in our retirement. And Lord, of course, tonight we pray that you would transform us in our sport and that you would use us for your glory. Amen.